Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday Morning MV Pro Call. Today is July 13th, and I'd like to welcome those of you that are here live, as well as those of you listening to this via recording, which, of course, you can do by subscribing to Motor Vitality on whatever podcast application you happen to use, or by visiting motorvitality.com, where you can listen to years and years and years worth of archives. Um, Speaking of that, I am like two weeks behind on uploading the uh, – I didn't get a chance to upload last week, so I know Jen was there. So um, so I will do that when uh, um, when um, we I get a chance to upload this one uh, later on today. So I know Jen – thank you, Jen, for, for handling the helm last week um, while I was taking a much-needed rest and relaxation in Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So it was kind of – Kind of nice. Um, speaking of traveling and relaxation, one announcement for uh, everybody out there is um, Jen and I decided that it was too cold where we were, and so we decided to hop on a plane and head down to Texas in July. Um, it was a joint joint agreement. We were like, let's go during the hottest heat wave in Texas in, in history, in recorded history. And I thought, Jen suggested, and I thought, that's a great idea, Jen. Let's do that. And so we'll be down there at Texas Water Quality Association next week um, and actually uh, um, doing a little condensed version of our installer training um, as well as um, a couple classes on RO. And, Jen, what's the one you're doing on Thursday? What are you doing on Thursday? Uh, Mary Ann Metzger and I are doing a presentation on pH and alkalinity and um, how to treat it. Nice. That'll be fun. And we're all, we're all, we all decided to take it outside and do it all outside, right? Is that what I read? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no. So, um, but uh, anyway, July in Texas, that's, uh, that's going to be fun. So um, we will be live from Texas next week. We'll still be still be on, still have our call. It's going to be going to be kind of fun. Um, so uh, um, anyway, uh, I'm going to start the call off the way I do pretty much every week here, which is by asking: Is there anything anybody learned this last week that you wish you had known before? Anything that anybody learned that um, is worthy of sharing with other professionals, or anything we can help with? Hey, Kelly, it's Scott. Hey, Scott. Um, so I've heard, and I don't know if this is on the books or this is in the legislature, um, but in uh, New Jersey that there is a proposal that before you sell a house, the water has got to be tested for PFAS. Mm. And if it tests positive, a uh, filtration system has got to be put on before it's sold. That's you know that I I have not heard about that specific legislation. Anybody else heard about that or or run into that in their particular area or states? I have not, I but I know someone who purchased a home in or some property with a mobile home on it in uh, near Oscoda, Michigan, where the PFAS levels are like through the roof, and so and that was one of the tests that they did do and disclose the PFAS levels. I don't know if it was mandatory because the person that purchased the house, I don't think they would have thought about PFAS. So yeah, I'm not sure if it was mandatory or if it was just something that like the realtor suggested or something. Yeah, so 
what I can say is is um, they I, I've not heard of anything officially becoming mandatory, but what I have heard or I have seen stuff like that before when when we did um, you know when they they lowered the standards for arsenic, it took about two or three years, but that became in Michigan. I know you know uh, different communities um, began to make it mandatory that they test for and treat. Uh, you know, so you had coliform nitrates and arsenic were the three things that you had to test for because they um, it had become really public and it was on the news and they passed the passed the rules. So it wouldn't surprise me a bit, Scott, if we not only are seeing that in New Jersey, but if we're not going to start seeing it um, in places all over the country, um, just because it's such such a a buzz topic right now, both um, in the media and in um, in legislative discussions. So, yeah, I think that's something to definitely be watching for. So if you are not familiar with what PFAS are um, or versed on it, you probably should get there because your customers are, are definitely going to be asking about it. And if you're fumbling around and not knowing what you're talking about, then um, that could have an impact on your ability to present yourself as a professional. So, yeah, good good thought, Scott. Um, it's kind of cool. So it sounds like in a, you, we were talking right before we started recording, you had some, some training, you went to some training for your um, manufacturer. So it sounds like you kind of brushed, uh, brushed elbows with other people from, uh, from across the country. Is that, is that what I'm gathering? That's correct. Yeah. I love those things. Isn't, isn't it awesome to, to get outside of your bubble? sometimes and to, you know, to kind of learn from other people out there and to find out what they, what is, what would you say, Scott, from doing that without getting into a lot of details about, you know, the training or anything, what was, what was the biggest thing that is, that you learned from somebody that you heard from somebody that is completely different than what you see in your world? Uh, well, so we average about 10 grains of hardness where yeah. in Alabama uh, across the board. Um, which is on the upper scale, but to hear um, other parts of the country like 23 grains per gallon, 43 grains per gallon, um, uh, it was really eye-opening to me. And then um, the main takeaway was the training was fantastic, and I got a couple of nuggets out of there, but I learned more from talking with the other salespeople, the other um, dealerships um, of the little things that they're doing that I can take and implement with us and be successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I love, I love doing it. And actually what you're talking about, I remember when I first started, really it was with Motor Vitality. I, I have to say when we started traveling and working with other dealerships, kind of what you're saying about the hardness levels there, because, you know, I grew up in a world where it was almost all well water, you know, problem water. So I, I mean, that's what I was introduced to this industry with was what other people consider problem water, you know, two to five parts per million of iron, manganese, sulfur, tannins, um, hardness levels averaging between 20 and 30 grains. You know, that was, that's where I learned. That's how I learned to, to sell, you know, it's all well water, all problem water. And I knew that there were a lot of other people out there that did municipalities, but, you know, that had kind of the water, the same chemistry. 
I had actually gone down, Stacey, in your neck of the woods, I had gone down and worked with a dealer, so that, that, you know, I had known about Indianapolis water. You know, I heard you guys talking a little bit before we, we logged on here, and I knew that that was hard um, because I'd gone down and spent a little bit of time with a dealer down in, in you know, down there. Um, so that's, that's what I had really familiarity with when it came to large municipal water. It was interesting when we started going out and working with, and Jen, you could probably speak to this too, you know, when we started going out and working with other um, other clients across the country that were on municipal water, um, Long Island being, you know, one of the one of the big ones. I mean, they've got, uh, it's municipal water, you know, one to three grains, sometimes a little bit more in certain areas, but it's pretty, you know, three, four grains of hardness is pretty common with some of the municipalities out there. Yet everybody has a water softener and a, and, you know, a carbon filter. I mean, because for them, holy moly, five grains of hardness in the water was so hard. They couldn't stand it. It was like, my water is so bad. And, I'm, and, and you go to Detroit, you know, where they've got seven or eight grains of hardness, and people would go, oh, no, my water's fine. I'm on city water. It's fine. They were, it was totally perspective. I mean, it was, it was, you know, so many different people considered, uh, I mean, they just saw the same quality of water completely differently. And it was just really interesting to, um, to see that, you know, to how, I mean, that was one of the things when you look at the soap impact, you know, the impact of soap you how it suds up and stuff like that i mean it it will um it will it will not suds up with five grains of of hardness any more than it will with 20 grains of hardness so yeah it's always always kind of cool to get outside of your bubble and and it really does put it in perspective and makes you appreciate i heard stacy you were kind of joking yeah 23 grains we love it and it's true it's good for good for our industry when you have that isn't it so yeah so when you talk about perspective, I grew up outside the Fort Wayne area, but I I grew up on a well, so we always had a softener. Fort Wayne city water averages about seven grains of hardness, and I really didn't know people in city water that had softeners when I was growing up. But our Fort Wayne office sells softeners on city water all the time. Yeah, getting a lot of background noise from somebody. I'm I'm not sure where that's coming from. Is somebody driving or or uh, um, there? Oh, that's better. Whoever just muted that that mm-hmm. sounds better there. So, um, so um, yeah, it's great. That's great, Scott. Thank you for those thoughts. I appreciate it. Um, Jim, you want to you want to say anything about that? I know that we um, we uh, or might have been you driving. No, I, I agree that it's, it, I love learning from other people also when I do go because there's sometimes there are things that what equipment that works in Michigan doesn't work the same in Texas and or yeah. in northern Minnesota. And then, yeah, it, and I agree it is perspective um, hearing yeah. what people feel like their water, what it's like, you know, so I agree. Yep, yep. Um, all right. Well, uh, anybody have anything else to um, you know and, and that they've learned or that they want to share? So I have a topic today, and I, I kind of wanted to pose the start with a question 
for you, for you guys. Um, this came up a little bit when I was talking to uh, a potential client yesterday. We were talking about um, you know building rapport, and it got me to thinking a little bit about how we define rapport. So I kind of wanted to pose that question to you guys. What do you? How would you define rapport? What What do you think rapport is? So I, I just want to talk a little bit about rapport, just mostly because it's a really cool word that has a silent T at the end, and it's spelt weird. And and so I thought that just because of the weird spelling, it would be worthy of discussion. It's a connection. Okay. Connecting with okay. that potential client. Okay. Anybody else? How would how would anybody else describe it? What is the difference then between rapport and trust? Or is there a difference? Anybody have any thoughts yeah. on that? So to build the rapport, to develop the trust. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's kinda true. I think they're very similar. Um I think that rapport probably focuses more on, on establishing a bond or connection, whereas uh trust is gonna rely more on establishing uh kind of a reputation for reliability or um a consistency in keeping your promises. You know, so they I think you have to almost a lot of times have rapport before you can have trust. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so what um, What do you guys do? Because a lot of times those of us that have a lot of experience in sales or, or working with people, I, I think we sort of do it naturally. I think there's, there's some of those people out there that have a natural ability in sales and you know, I mean, we've all met people like that, right, where they just seem to be able to build that rapport immediately without much effort at all. And I wonder sometimes if they even really give thought to what they're doing. So I kind of wanted to analyze that a little bit and talk about, you know, what do we do to build rapport? You know, how do we, how do we improve that? Because it is an important step in, in the sales process and, frankly, in any of our relationships. Um, so... I was kind of curious, what do you guys do? Do you even think about it? You know, do you, have you stopped to kind of analyze what you do to build rapport? What do you, do? is there something intentional or something that you kind of find that you do naturally that helps you build rapport with your customers or with your, your any of your relationships, honestly? You have to show interest in them. Um, okay, so me, yeah, so asking them, right? For me, it's pretty natural that. talking to people, getting to know them, asking, you know, when we're doing the first part of the presentation where we're asking all the questions and things, there's normally, I can find, I can normally find something that we have in common somewhere. Yeah. Um, and for me, when I can't build that rapport with someone, I walk out stunned. It's like, how did I not? Ah, I mean, it doesn't happen. It, it happens, yeah. but it doesn't often, but it does occasionally. Yeah. Sure. 
I just yeah. figured they're just not an open person. You know, it's it's true. That's like one of the most uncomfortable feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I miss? You know, for me, I'll tell you when that's when I've run into that because I use humor a lot of times. I joke and goof and and you know I play around and and if I if I'm kind of joking with somebody, it means that I I like them. But I um I, I had Michelle pointed out to me yesterday or was it yesterday or, or Tuesday. There was somebody that uh, on a webinar that I was kind of joking with, and I hadn't met him yet. They don't really know me, you know, know my personality. And she pointed out, you know, I wonder if that person, they, you know, really understood that you were joking. There was a language barrier. This this particular individual um, is, is English as a second language, and I have certainly run across that in the past where. Even somebody who does speak English, um, you know, as a first language, I, I, it's, so it's not necessarily just the the language barrier. Um, sometimes it's that my sense of humor is off the wall, or dare I say, occasionally inappropriate. Um, I know that comes as a shock to those, to any of you who know me, um, like Kelly saying something inappropriate. No, that would never happen. But yeah, on occasion, I, I, I do. Um, and uh, it, you know, and, and that will ruin it. That ruins the rapport. Man, is it uncomfortable when that happens? You know, it's like because I'm used to, like you, Stacey, I'm kind of used to being able to, to have that happen naturally. You know, it's, it's a really uncomfortable feeling for sure. Um, so, anybody else? What else? What else do you guys do? So, there's there's Stacey. What else do you guys do to build rapport? Well, it's got to be. And again, it sounds like it's got to come naturally. Um, but I find um, asking a lot of personal questions. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of it is um, related to, you know, the sales presentation of, you know, how long have you lived here? Um, where did you move from? Um, but, you know, when you're you're doing the setup for the water test, you know, where did you grow up? Um, how did yeah. y'all meet? You know, how many kids do y'all have? Um People love talking about themselves. Um, they really do. But, um, but you kind of get a. It, well, it goes back to people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Right, right. And it has a lot more. You know that it's sometimes hard when it comes to sales because sales is a little different sometimes than just a regular interpersonal relationship because one would think you know and when you're building rapport with somebody that you've just met off the street you know and that you want to become friends with or that you're you're kind of getting along with or you know that you that you're just talking to as a interpersonal relationship it can be a little different with sales than sales because my opinion and I could be wrong about this but my opinion is that we should leave there knowing way more about them than they know about us you know, it should be about their story, but you have to share some. You can't, you can't just make it all one-sided. You know, it does have to be. If you're building that rapport and that, that relationship where you're getting along. You know, I, we, usually when we do a topic every couple of years, when election comes comes close, you know, on talking about religion and politics, right? You know, the, the, um, you know, how much when you see somebody's front yard plastered with with uh you know political signs you know how much of that 
do you bring up or do you acknowledge in your in your sales presentation? Especially, you know, particularly, I, I think it's fine if you share the views. If you have common ground, I think that that is a way to build rapport. You know, you can you can kind of share that. I think if you disagree with them, they should never know you disagree because it's not about you. It's it's not your story. It's it's their story. So, but I I do think you know that goes all the way back as you're saying, Scott, and what you said, Stacy. You know, it goes back to Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people, right? Um, they, it's, it, I think that building rapport has a lot more to do with listening than it does talking. Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely. Go ahead. Right, but I, I will say most definitely it has much more to do with listening to them and finding what you have in common. But um, I had an instance the other day that just – I. I was literally packing up my stuff and because we'd gone over, they, they had a leaking RO from another company. They were looking at replacing it. And I explained to them what the problem probably was is it never had the filters changed. And they could probably get it repaired. But they're like, well, we don't even like them. We've talked to them before. We don't like them. But let us think about it because it's a huge investment when you're looking at replacing something that probably could be fixed. And I'm packing up my stuff. I said, they said, let us think about it a couple days, see what we want to do, and we're talking. And we've been having just a, a nice flow of conversation. And he asked me where I, if I grew up in the area. And I said, no, I grew up in a little town called Woodburn, Indiana, up northeast. And he said, we know Woodburn. The wife had been the assistant to the plant manager to the place my dad worked his entire career. Yeah, wow. And we knew a lot of the same people. Yeah. Um, and then I started talking about basketball and all that stuff. Well, before the conversation was done, the wife goes, here, do you mind if we have a little powwow for a moment? They walk into the bedroom. They come back out and say, we're going to do this now. Oh, really? That's awesome. But, yeah, <laughs> it report definitely, it, it absolutely helps. And so uh, there's a couple things here in the last last five minutes I just wanted to, to on this topic, kind of summarize before we, we run entirely out of time. And one of them is – exactly about running out of time is that sometimes I think we have to be really careful sometimes when I've done this where you make that connection you you're you're sitting there you know it's a hour and a half you know you you, you're there an hour hour and a half and you're talking about you know connecting where you grew up and and like you're talking about Stacey you know basketball and and all these things that you have in common and you have this really great rapport and it's awesome and it's great and then you you go to start and they go oh shoot look at the time oh my god I we got to pick up the kids in 20 minutes don't forget that you are there to do your job and I've run across that before where I spent so much I had a great relationship man the rapport was so good but then I ran out of time to do my job. I ran out of time to, to finish, you know, finish the rest. So it's, it is kind of important that we stay focused on what we, you know, we're not professional visitors. And, and yeah, it's really great to build that rapport. But, but ultimately, it shouldn't take away from what we are there to do, right? Um, there are a couple steps that uh, I think – 
we should remember when it comes time to analyzing or, or considering how we build rapport. And, and those of you that kind of do it naturally, you can improve on your ability to naturally establish rapport. I think if you, if you kind of are aware of what, what you're doing to build that rapport. Appearance, I think first impressions make a difference. Um, I think looking clean and neat and not disheveled and, and, you know, I think that that helps when you're meeting somebody for the first time, especially in sales, I think, I think it's important to look professional and to, to present yourself professionally, you know, to, so check your appearance. Remember the, the basics of good communication. Uh, the most important, I think, is listening, is, is asking a question, a relevant question often, and relevant question doesn't necessarily have to be specifically about water. I think, I think Scott, to your point, you know, where did you grow up and where, you know, where's your history? Where, you know, I think those are really, they're, they're not only questions about themselves, but they're also relevant to, to what we're doing, right? To, because did they grow up with the water softener? Did they grow up in a rural area where, where they needed that, you know? So um, I, I think uh, asking relevant questions and they don't always have to be. You can ask about, you know, I, I mean, I love talking about basketball and, you know, those types of things too. You can, those are, those are, um, they are good bond building, um, you know, topics. If you find that common ground, right? Um, and, and you can do that by, by taking a look at what books they have and, you know, what books they read and pictures and, and things around their, you know, if you see something, a type of appliance that you have, you know, some, you can, you can look around their house, be a detective and find common, you know, common ground and that allow you to create shared experiences when they talk about the problem, because this is part of what we do, right? We, we um, are identifying problems that we can help them with. We're helping them to, you know, that's ultimately Tom Hopkins says that you should consider yourself a, a you know, a, a PPS, professional problem solver, and, and in order to do that, you have to find the problems that they're having and then make a recommendation um, on that. But when they have those problems, be empathetic. You know, get, be a shoulder for them to cry on and, and say, here, I can give you a hug and a solution to this, you know, to fix that. Um, and and be, know your room, know your audience. You know, if you're normally loud and over the top, um, I'm one of my brushes with fame was when I, I did not directly, but I used to work at a restaurant when I was in college waiting tables that was owned by Jim Davis, the guy who write, wrote Garfield. And I happened to serve him and a group of people at a table one day. And I was, was having a grand old time. You know, they, Jim Davis was there and I told him how much I loved Garfield and I was joking with him and, and laughing, and the next day when I came to work, the head chef told me that I had been, he had been asked to ask me to leave um, because I basically didn't know my audience. I didn't know how to read my audience. So I indirectly got fired by the guy who wrote Garfield. Um, so, uh, but lesson learned, you know, because, because I didn't, what's that? Which restaurant was it? Uh, it was Vince's in um, Muncie, Indiana. Yeah, I know Vince as well. Do you do? Yep. Yep. So, um, so yeah, yeah. People would fly in their little Cessnas and their helicopters come in and eat a, a $200 salad and fly away. So, uh -huh. um, <laughs> it was like a, 
Um, it place was so stuffy. I didn't like working there anyway. Good, good restaurant to eat at if you could afford to afford it. But it was. Uh, we would do a um, special yeah. visit to that. He also had fox fires. They would what? Say that again. He also had the fox fires restaurant in Muncie. Yep, that's right. Yep, exactly. Fox uh-huh. fires. Yep, those are the two. Absolutely. So. Um, so, but, but you got to know your audience, you know, and so the, the, you know, when you are working with, um, you know, when you're there, if somebody is, you know, be aware, be, don't be so wrapped up in what you're doing in your presentation and thinking that you're building this great rapport. If they're not responding or they're not talking or they're not participating in your efforts to click with them, you don't be so wrapped up in what you're doing and what you're saying that you miss it. You know, that's, um, that's going to hurt you. So, all right. So I can't believe how fast this half hour went. And, um, but any final thoughts or comments on this topic? It's Michelle. I just had one quick thing. Um, in all of this, I think people know when you're not being, um, like authentic, you know, and they, they know when you're actually interested in what they have to say and when you're just asking a question to ask a question and you're not, as you said, listening or paying attention. And always, I think, being pleasant and smiling definitely um, warms up, you know, makes the other person warm up to you. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. Anybody else? Okay, guys. Well, yeah, thank so, you all very well, much. You, you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying you have to mirror their in, their energy too. Yeah, um, exactly. You have to uh, you have to pay attention and and how they are um, kind of present to them how they are. Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely, hundred percent. I, I agree with you, hundred percent, Scott. So. Um, all right, guys, thank you all very much. I appreciate so much everybody being here. We'll talk to you next week if Jen and I aren't totally melted. Then we will talk to you next week, if not before. And uh, um, be safe, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks.